If you've got your Bibles, it would be great if you could turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And while you're looking for that, I'll just let you know, last week I kicked off a series called Gathered Together. Um, as a church, we've got lots of different opportunities. We make lots of different opportunities to gather together. Obviously, we're gathered together here on Sunday mornings. We have connect groups that people meet in, in smaller groups throughout the week. Uh, we have prayer meetings. We had an amazing prayer meeting uh, over, the, over the last week. We've had a few brilliant prayer meetings, and it was great at last Friday just to worship uh, and, and praise God and then, and then really seek his face in prayer. And so that was wonderful. So prayer meetings is one of those gatherings. Um, and then sometimes lots of people in the, in the room gather together in smaller groups, twos or threes, to, to encourage one another, to pray together, to spur one another on. So there's lots of different ways that we gather. And in Hebrews, we're told not to uh, give up meeting together. We need to be making sure we're making opportunities to gather. In a, in a world of connectedness on the internet and everything like that, often it can be easy to think, well, I can, I can have my meetings, I can gather in, in any kind of way I want. But the Bible's very clear, we need to get into the room together and be together. Last week, I, t- I said the reason we need to gather is because community is one of our deepest needs. As humans, we've been made for community. Community with God so that we have a right and a good relationship with God and community with one another because if you're a Christian, you've been put into a family. You are a son or a daughter. You're an heir. He is your father and you are his son or daughter. And so that, that sense of community together we're brothers and sisters in Christ is really important. So in the series we're going to carry on looking at... Um, we're, we're going to be looking at lots of things we have to be doing regularly. And when I say that, I mean the, old, the New Testament says, make sure you keep doing these things. Jesus says, keep doing this. Or the Apostle Paul says, keep doing this. And the things that they say we've got to keep doing always cultivate this kind of sense of um, community. They're things that make us come together and have a, a deeper relationship with God and a deeper relationship with one another. Last week, I looked at how singing does that. And it's a, it's a unique phenomenon that when we come together, we are singing the same words together. And we're saying, we believe, like the song we just sang, we believe that Jesus, you've done this. We believe that God, you are like this. And there's something incredible about that. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit is with us as we sing our songs. It's an incredible experience. And then again, prayer I talked about last week and how actually as we gather together and we pray, there's something unifying about that. That's saying we're of one heart together and God, we want to meet you where your heart's at as well. So prayer and, um, and worship. Uh, next week, I'm going to be talking... Uh, Paul's going to be baptizing some people and we're going to be talking about baptism. Really exciting. And again, why is that important for us as a community? And then we're going to look at communion, which has got community in its, in its word, isn't it? It's, we're going to be looking at communion and how important that is. Today, we're going to be looking at the importance of giving. Uh, last week, I had said I was going to do giving and listening. And when I was going to talk about listening, I was going to talk about the Word and the Spirit, actually. That sense of listening to what God's got to say in His Word and listening to what He's got to say to us through His Spirit. But I sat down, started preparing, and I realized I was being foolish trying to 
talk about giving and that all in one go. So um, we're going to find another opportunity to do that at another time. So I'm going to be talking about giving. And I want to share a few things I've really been battling with over this last week as I, was, as I have prepared. First of all, we are a very diverse com, uh, congregation. And I know that there are some people here that, um, in terms of financially, for example, life's okay. Things are quite comfortable. You, you're, you've got enough coming in. You feel quite happy. You've got, we've got other people that money is a real struggle in life. Some people find it really hard to make ends meet. That at the end of the month, if everything's together, then you're like, oh, thank you. That's a good thing. For some people, finding work or staying in work is a tough thing to to do. And so we've got really diverse congregation and talking about giving, talking about money to a a wide group of people is quite a a daunting thing. Secondly, um, and I just just want to say actually, when I speak, I, I want us to feel challenged, but I don't want us to feel crushed. I want you to feel inspired, but I don't want you to feel inadequate in any way. And I thought it would be helpful for, for you to know that um, when you give in your offerings, um, hardly anyone knows what you give. None of the elders know what you personally give to God or, or to the church. Um, the only people that know are, are Lana, um, and then I think one other person knows just to kind of do all the kind of administration for it, and she is, you know, no, she's not telling anyone or talking to anyone. So what, when you give, it's a very personal thing between you and God, and so I'm not looking at anyone saying, you need to give more, you need to give more, you're not giving enough. I'm just talking in general. I know actually we're a very generous church. People are really kind with, with what they have in terms of financially, but also in so many other ways. People give of themselves, their time, their efforts, their skills. So we're a very generous church, and uh, I just wanted you to know that. So um, the second thing I'm, I'm quite nervous about is um, I want to do justice to the Word of God. And you will find that there are lots of people that talk about giving unsurprisingly and and there's lots of very strong opinions about how Christians should give Uh, you know people that are far more qualified far more experienced know far more Greek than I do one group would say we should be tithing we should be giving a tenth of all we have another group would say there is no way we should be tithing we should be giving out of generous hearts because of what Jesus has done for us and and they would go anti-tithing in that sense and so I know across the room there's probably a a big uh, kind of uh, what's the word Uh, yeah that thing um, around here and it's tough. And, and, and actually, there's no one bit that talks about money. You have to go to lots of different parts of the Bible, especially the New Testament, to really understand it. And so I want to make sure I'm doing... I've got to stand before God one day and say, this is what I said to the people in my church. And so I, I want to be really careful of that. And then the final concern is that I know that there'll be some people here. Maybe you're here for the first time, and you're like, oh, I've come to church, and guess what? They're talking about giving. And I just, you know, or maybe you've been to another church before and you've had a bad experience where actually you do feel like you've been crushed. That week in, week out, people are saying, you need to give more. You're not giving enough. You're not showing enough faith. And I really don't want to open up sore wounds for you. We don't talk that often about money. Uh, We talk about it uh, maybe two or three times a year um, or if it's coming up in the scripture that we're going through, then we, we tackle it. But we don't, we, you know, at the same time, Jesus talked about money an awful lot. 
Uh, and it was a massive part. And we're going to see money is a, has a, an amazing power on us as humans. And so he did talk about it a lot. So I hope I'm not opening old rooms, but at the same time, I'm hoping that it will be a challenge today. So with that, I'm going to read. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to read. So Lord Jesus, I pray you'd be with us. What a generous God you are. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, gave your most precious thing. Jesus, you gave your life for us. And I pray, Lord, that spirit of generosity that you lavish on us, Lord, I pray that you would well that up within us. That would be a mark of us as a church. We pray in Jesus' name. Be with us. Amen. Amen. Okay, let me read. If, um, if I don't click through, could you click through for me? Is that okay? Brilliant. All right, so, and now, brothers and sisters... We want you to know about the grace. Let me, sorry, should have said. This is uh, Corinthian. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And actually, he's going to talk a lot about another church, the Macedonians, who listened to the Macedonians' heart. You'll be amazed at them. But he's trying to inspire them to give into the mission of God. So let's have a listen. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst most incredible verse in the midst of a very severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their abilities entirely of their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and love that we have kindled into you, see also that you excel in the grace of giving." I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. For you know that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do, to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For, the, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply their need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply your need. The goal is equality, as it's written. The one who gathered much did not have much, uh, did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Skipping on to verse 20, it says, We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. And then uh, skipping to tw uh, Corinthians 2, 9, verse 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously 
will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen. Well done. Thanks for sent, uh, clicking through that. So today we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at why we give, and then we're going to look at how we decide what to give. So when we come together in a gathering like this, and as I'm mainly talking about this gathering today, actually, but as I've already said, there are so many other instances where people are giving to one another, seeing a need in someone else, or seeing a need in something else going on somewhere else in the world. But I'm talking mainly about this gathering today, giving together to the church. Uh, and when those green buckets go round, you might kind of think, uh, if, you, if you're an alien here or you're new here, you might think, what's going on? Because the buckets go round, some people just pass the bucket along, other people uh, put an envelope in, some people put some coins or some cash in. What's actually going on? Um, I'm going to explain that as we go through, um, and then you get the mints. Uh, we don't get paid in mints, um, you, you're allowed to take a mint. We didn't pass the mints round, sorry. Sorry, you're all going to have bad breath. That's bad. Here we go. So uh, when we come together, why do we give? And I'm going to talk about three things. We give as an expression of worship. We give into mission. And we give in response to Christ's generosity to us. So giving as an expression of worship. Worship is recognizing and honoring what we value most in life. It's, 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 um, whenever, uh, whatever our life is orientated around, whatever means the most to us, whether, that's, uh, whether it is God or your family, or whether it's your, uh, your job, or, you, or, or your drive for respect, whatever matters most to you in your life, that's what you are worshipping. Whatever you're putting all your effort into, that is what you're um, worshipping. Whatever you're orientating your life around, that is what you are worshipping. And as Christians, we have asked God to, uh, to come into our life. We've asked Jesus to be the Lord of our life. So we're saying, God, we're orientating our life around your purposes, around what you've called us to. And in that way, we worship him. When we express our worship to God, we often say or sing things like, you're all I want, you're all I ever needed, or you are worthy of it all, or all to Jesus, I surrender. And these songs recognize the most important thing in our life is God. But that, those phrases and many like that, we could also use to describe our relationship with money or a lot of people could use those, um, those, uh, those words to describe their relationship with money so you could imagine people singing money you are all I want money you provide for all my needs money you bring me hope you give me joy you give me meaning in life and so for my, so many people money is, is the thing they're worshipping it's the thing they're orientating their life around 
And actually, as Christians, we can often get into this kind of dualism where actually we are worshipping God, but at the same time, really, in real life, we're, we're worshipping money as well. So we say things like, spiritually, God, you are all I want in my life. Practically, money, you are the one I want most in my life. Spiritually, God, you are the one I put my trust in. Practically, money, you are the one who provides all my needs. But Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other one, or you would be devoted to to one and despise the other one. He said, you cannot serve both God or mammon, he says, or money. And uh, in, in Mark 10, there's a story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, Oh, Jesus, I've, you know, uh, what must I do to in- inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the, the law. You shouldn't murder. Don't commit adultery. Love your, honor your mother and father. And, and the rich young ruler very proudly says, well, I do all of that. And Jesus says, what? You lack one thing. Go sell everything you have. Give your possessions and all your earnings to the poor and come and follow me. And it says that that, At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. This man was giving everything to God except his money, and he was serving two gods as a result. And you can't orientate your life around two things. This this planet can't orientate itself around the sun and the moon at the same time. You've got to pick one. Who are you going to serve, God or money? In um, 2 Corinthians um, Paul, uh, verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7 Paul says something similar in a slightly different way but he says since you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge in complete earnestness and in, love, in the love that we have kindled in you see to it also that you excel in the grace of giving and what he's saying is every part of our life needs to be given over to God including our finances, our money But money has an interesting power over us. We so often see it as the thing that provides. We see it as the solution to the problems that we have. And in that sense, it can easily and quickly start becoming the God that we serve. So when we come together, we give. And when we give, we're saying, God is my God. Money is is not my God. When we give regularly to an offering, it's like we are regularly putting to death that other would-be God in our life and saying, God, it's you that I want. It's you that's going to provide all my needs. You're the one that's worthy of it all. You're the one I put my hope and my trust in. So do some self-analysis now. Who are you putting your trust in? Who do you care about most or what do you care about most? Here's some help. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Uh, Steve Tibbet, he'll like it that I'm quoting him. He, He says this, he says, Your bank statements reveal your priorities, your values, your commitments. As you look, to, you'll find out whether, you, uh, whether Sky Sports is more important to, to you than giving to God. It's challenging, isn't it? It's the same thing. 
basically, we can look, we can look at our bank accounts and we can go through and say, how generous of spirit am I being? What am I really investing my, tire, my money into? What, am, what is really the deepest thing in my life, the most important thing in my life? So our weekly offerings are uh, an act of worship. We regularly come before God and say, you're the greatest importance. We take a, a, a certain part of our money and we, we sacrifice it. We say, here you go, God. We're giving this over to you. Okay, so we give uh, as worship and we also give to mission. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2 says, this is, he's talking about the Macedonian church. He says, this the most incredible verse. If you want to go home and think about a verse for a little while, just, I, don't, I just don't get it. This is the grace of God. He says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their abilities entirely of their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. In most of Paul's letters, when he talks about money, he he talks about money pretty much every letter that he writes. But when he talks about money, he's normally talking about raising a, a pot of money one church giving in to a pot of money that is going to be sent on mission, sent to another church, or go to, to pay for the needs of another group of people, or to go and um, help someone so that they can go around uh, different parts of the nation to preach the gospel, or go to someone who's in prison because they've been preaching the gospel. He, uh, he talks about this kind of missional idea that when we give, we're giving into mission. When you give to the church, you are giving into the mission of God, whether that's the local mission here or to support a mission somewhere else in the UK or abroad. All the money we're giving is going into the mission of God. Now, you might say, well, doesn't a lot of our money here go to paying staff or uh, into the building? And the answer to that is, yes, quite a lot of it is. But that's why one of the most important things we can do is see what we're doing here as a mission. We are on, the, on mission with God. And last week I talked about how we're a community. And that's so true. We are part of a community. But we're a community that is called to grow and to go. And it was great to hear um, Tim's word about that kind of recommissioning. Because actually that's what God's called us to. We're not here to kind of live by these kind of historic um, principles and kind of batten down the hatches and, and wait until we die. We're here for mission. We're here for the purposes of God. And so um, when, when, when we pay Lana, where's Lana? She's here somewhere. When we pay Lana, part of her job is to resource, is to support, is to equip us to go on mission. And so she's got a, a missional job in that sense. Or you go to Sue, you cannot tell me that what Sue does as a job is not mission. If you come here on a Wednesday, you'll get to see it. It's incredible. If you see all of those ladies, Terry going, she's a lady on a mission. You don't get in the way of Terry on a, on a Wednesday because, because we're on a mission. And we're here for the mission of God. And so when we give, we're giving into the purposes of God. 
On Monday, um, just gone, we had a, a prayer meeting. Uh, we were praying for just different nations and people that are serving in different nations. It was an incredible time. Alison Giblet was with us. Uh, we prayed for Dean and Donna. And Sharon and Lex were with us in the room. They're in Kurdistan. They sold everything they had here, their house. They gave up brilliant uh, jobs as a doctor and a nurse. And off they went to Kurdistan because they felt God moved them to. And they were sharing. I mean, you think about last year, we, we took up an offering for them and things were just kind of starting off. They were telling us that every week they get 160 kids who don't have any kind of education coming to them for their only bit of education. What a mission are they on? It's amazing. And they're starting to see people saved. They, they saw a guy saved a, a few weeks ago. They're on a gospel mission. It's incredible. And, and not only is it 160 kids, they also have around 200 people come in a week for like exercise lessons and karate lessons and stuff and opportunities to preach the gospel, to share hope, to bring hope. Now, if that is not mission, I don't know what is. And they were talk- I asked him, you know, how, how much does it cost you per month for what you're doing? And he <coughs> set aside living... Ha- the cost of living for them, the actual kind of running of this stuff is around a thousand pounds a year. Uh, uh, sorry, a thousand pounds a month, and um, and that 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 pays for uh, tutors to come in and do stuff. Um, and and they also they need a they need a better car. They need a bit of a kind of bigger car. Now, as a church, we give around two hundred and fifty pounds a month. But I think to myself, man. I want us to become more generous so that we can give more into stuff like that. And that's just one of the examples of great things that God does through our money. Amen? As you give, you're giving into mission, either here or further away. And we give in response. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 8 says, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of, sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. Ooh. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for our sakes became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. If you're a Christian here, you know that Christ went, came to earth, went through hell for you. He went, he went to the cross for you. He gave everything. He didn't live a lavish lifestyle of, as like a prince while he was here. He was poor for you. He gave up everything he had for you. He gave up his life of carpentry to go on his mission. He gave it all up for you. And surely in some way that invokes some kind of response and say, Lord, I want something of that spirit of generosity to fall down on me. I want to be part of that. I want something of the generosity that Jesus had living in me. The Apostle Paul, I heard this quote, or kind of quote, I'm kind of sub-quoting. The Apostle Paul's motto in life was to live is Christ and to die is gain. And this guy said, in the West, we've turned it on its head. We say to live is gain and to die is Christ. And what he's saying is, we, we live the good life as much as we possibly can. And then we get to go to be in heaven with Jesus. It's like that, that's the opposite to what Paul was calling us to. 
We have to sell everything we have and follow him. And, 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 and it's a generosity of spirit. I don't know what God's calling you personally to do, but I just want to ask you, open your heart. What does it mean to live is Christ and to die is gain? So we, uh, we're called, to, we, we give because of worship, we give to mission, and we give in response to what Jesus has done. I'm going to very briefly, very briefly talk about how to decide what to give as a church. As I said, there'll be differences across the church. There'll be some people who, who would say, I tithe, very generous. I give a tenth of all I have straight from my income straight to the church. Incredible generosity. There'll be other people here that very strongly say, we are not under the law. And, and the reason that how we decide what to give is in response to what Jesus has done for us. Out of the generosity that God has given us, we look to be generous. And there are some people, and I'll put myself in this camp, where this is my theology. I think we, we're, we're called to be generous, but I, I use the tithe to help me. It's like a, a, a principle. That's a good starting point. Um, and some people, that you shouldn't do that, but that's where I feel comfortable. You have to kind of make those decisions uh, before God by yourself. But I want to give you three, uh, three ideas. First of all, uh, give according to your means. Uh, he said, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So give out of what you have, not out of what you don't have. I do not expect anyone to go into debt because they're trying to give to the church. Don't do it. Because someone who is richer, well off, will be able to support the needs of someone who's poorer. So don't feel like you need to get into debt at all in order to give. If you feel, actually, I'm doing all right, have this as a challenge. This is going to be a bit crazy for you. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, that should be, um, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, you'll be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that you may experience true life. There you go. So if you're rich, be generous. If you don't have much, look for generosity of spirit. Uh, the widow with the coins, if you remember that. Just to say, I have let the kids know I might be running off on slightly. Um, uh, the, Jesus saw a, um, a lady put two copper coins into a collection, and Jesus' response was, that lady has given more than all of these people piling in the money because she gave out of what she didn't have. And there's that generosity of spirit. Um, so there you go. According to your means, give us priority, first fruit. Uh, so so um, that's why I find standing orders, giving by standing order really helpful because I know that I'm just going to get, it's going to go straight away. My, what I'm giving to God is going to go straight away. If I wait until I see whether I've got enough money to give, I know that I won't have enough money. But funny enough, for years and years and years now, if I've given straight away, God's provided everything else that I need. So give us first fruits. Standing orders might help you for that. Okay, and then finally, give joyfully and sacrificially. Just go and think about that Macedonian church in the midst of severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. 
For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their abilities. It should be joyful and sacrificial at the same time. It seems like the Macedonian church are probably the only church that have properly understood that. But it would be great if you could, if we could understand what that looks like. I'm going to finish by saying this. Why do you go to work? Do you go to work to make a living? That's a good reason. Do you go to work to pay the bills? Do you go to provide for family because you enjoy it? Maybe one of the reasons you should go to work is because you can create money that you can invest into the purposes of God. Maybe you could wake up in the morning and think, that's why I'm going. Next time you're looking at your bank account, you know, when I look at my bank account and I, and I look at my money going to BT, I'm like, oh, you can have it. I don't think, oh, good, good, good for you, okay? When I see, when I see Southwark Council, I'm not thinking, oh, I hope they sort our community and make it a greater place. I'm thinking, you better pick my tree up this week. But when I give my, when I give my money to the church... And I'm going to make this, I, I haven't done this, I want to make this more my thing to say, God, let that be giving into the mission of God. And when these buckets go round, you might not be putting something in then and there because it might be coming from somewhere else, but just have a quick pray, God, increase what I've given, do some amazing things for it. We give it gladly out of worship for the mission and because of what Jesus has done. Amen? Amen. Amen.